0: For those of you that may be just uh, joining us here in person or even uh, online this morning, we're concluding our mini-series entitled Gospel Conversations. Uh, We've been learning a conversational and relational way of communicating the gospel to others. Uh, A number of you are participating in the Gospel Conversations training, of which tonight is our last night. Um, It's been actually... um, uh, really exciting to see how God is using this in the lives of our people. Uh, I got a text yesterday from somebody who was taking the training and just how God opened up a door for them to share um, with somebody who they've been praying for for years. And so um, uh, we're really excited about what God's doing in, in their lives and what I believe God wants to do in and through this church. Um, Because if you're a part of a life group, then you know that we've been taking time in our life group to learn these. So even though everybody hasn't been partaking of the training on Sunday evening, they're getting a taste of it in life group and learning how to share the gospel. And uh, so excited about that and what God's going to do. But at the outset of this mini-series, I said that there would be lots of repetition, now, there's, there's, repetition is a teacher's friend. It's a good thing. But there's always a danger in repetition. There's always a chance that people will tune you out because they think, oh, I've heard that. I know that. You know, tell me something new kind of thing. And when it comes to the gospel, there really is nothing new. And you may have heard about the the preacher, the gifted preacher, that took on a stagnant church. Uh, he came and uh, began developing relationships, preaching messages and you know uh, several months into his uh, tenure there, um, he ended up preaching a message that everybody was just wowed over um, they They thought to themselves, "Man, we really picked a good one this time and um, the next week though. Uh, he ended up preaching the same message. And they were a little confused. The people were confused, as you would imagine they would be, but they were gracious to the pastor because he was relatively new to the church. But then to their chagrin, the following week, he read from the same text and preached the same message. And after the service, a number of folks came up to him and said, Pastor, that was a good message That's the third week in a row you've preached it. When are you going to move on to something else? And his reply was simply this when you start doing it, then I'll move on to something else. Now, some of you may be tempted to approach me after the service today. So let me save you a trip. You already know what I'm going to say. And seriously, though, when it comes to the gospel, we never outgrow our need to hear the gospel. We never outgrow uh, our, our need to respond to the gospel. We need to continually, consistently hear the gospel. I am amazed at how many people who have grown up in church, who profess the name of Christ, who have heard the gospel but can't articulate the gospel. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing what we're doing. We felt, the elders felt coming into this year, that this was an area that God really wanted us to grow in. Our ability to share the good news of Jesus with other people. And it's contagious, I think once you start down this path of doing it and you see how God uses you in the lives of other people, I mean, there's an excitement that builds up and it's like, you just can't wait to the next opportunity. And so that's why I'm excited about what God is doing here at New Life. And uh, Martin Luther said once that uh, we need, need to hear the gospel every day because we forget it every day. We do. We get caught up in the hustle and bustle of life and the things that are happening in our life, the good things, the bad things, the tragedies, all of that. And it's very easy for us to forget what God has done for us. But like I said, we never outgrow our need to hear or respond to the gospel. We never graduate to a higher course, so to speak. I like what John Piper said. He says, there is no postgraduate. No post gospel graduate school in the Christian life. That's an interesting take on things. Everything in the Christian life centers around the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the heart and the essence of our Christianity. And you never outgrow the need to preach the gospel to yourself. You know, a lot of times we think that's something that, you know, we hear the the pastor do or the preacher do. He preaches the gospel. Or perhaps the evangelist, he's the one that preaches the gospel. And even if you say, well, you know what? I'm to preach the gospel too. I'm to proclaim the gospel. We always have it in mind for other people. They need to hear the gospel. But we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. Why? Again, because we forget. Um, I went ahead and put John Piper's uh, quote up on the screen. I wanna, want you to see this because it's, it's, it's wonderful. It says, when you get up in the morning, you preach the gospel to yourself. This is what you say. My sins are forgiven today. They're forgiven, not because I'm somebody, but because Jesus was somebody, He died for me. He rose again. He reigns for me. He's interceding for me. He pleads his blood for me. He's sovereign over me. He sent the spirit to me by faith alone. You preach the gospel to yourself every morning and you receive it over and over again. Imagine if we did that. I mean, if we woke up every morning and reminded ourselves of the gospel it would change the course of our day, wouldn't it? Um, It would change the course of our lives. So this morning, it is no trouble for me to remind you of the gospel, and it is to your benefit that I do so. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word to us, the word which saves our souls. And Lord, we do rejoice in the fact that our Our brothers Rick and Bob are are with you even now. Even as we are preaching your word here in the now, Lord, they are before the living word. And Lord, we rejoice in that. And we rejoice that, that you have chosen to leave us here upon this earth for such a time as this that you might use us to further your kingdom, that there might be many more lovers of Jesus in it. And so, Lord, I pray that you would encourage our hearts, that you would equip us this morning and that you would use us to that end. And we pray this all in Christ's name, amen. There is a a dramatic story about the life and influence of uh, King George V, uh, who reigned in the earlier part of the 20th century, I believe Uh, he reigned up until, I think, 1936, if I'm not mistaken, and towards the latter end of his reign, he would regularly um, speak to people all over the world. He would give a Christmas message every year, and he would broadcast it to the, the British Empire and you know anyone who had a radio to be able to listen to his message. And during one of those broadcasts, when the ears of the world were attuned and listening to what the king would have to say, an engineer observed that an important wire had snapped. And uh, to him, it must've seemed just like a blink of an eye, but he had to make a decision on what to do because what happened when that wire was broke, um, the United States was cut off from that particular message. So millions and millions of people uh, would not have had the opportunity to hear what the king had to say that Christmas. But as if he was nudged by an angel he then basically, without thinking, took hold of the wire. He took one end in this hand, he took the other end in this hand, and I don't know a whole heck of a lot about it, but as the story goes is he completed the circuit so that the king's message was able to flow through him to the people here in the United States which is an incredible thought when you come to think about it. The, king, the, the message of the king passed through the body of the engineer. And in our broken world, how can people hear the good news of Jesus Christ? How can they hear the message of our king unless it passes through us? And that's what we've been talking about these last couple of weeks. So this morning, uh, I wanna help you complete the circuit. Uh, by once again sharing the three circles with you so that the message of our King may be heard by all those around us. But before I do that, I'd like to invite Casey Thomas to come up and join us. So Casey, if you come up here on stage uh, with me. um, uh, Casey shared with us something in Life Group this past week that I just thought, you know, we needed to hear. So I asked her if she'd be willing to to share that. So uh, kind of an interview style here. Casey, if it's all right, I'm gonna ask you a few questions if that's okay. Um, So Casey has not participated in the uh, training that we're doing on Sunday evenings, but she has been in life group. And so she's been learning the three circles along with just about everybody else. So, um and you shared that you had a pretty amazing story this past week an opportunity to share the gospel with your father. So, before you tell us about that, can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with your dad and what led you to share the gospel with him?
1: Yeah. So, me and my dad, we've always been really close, but I've always really struggled with being able to share um like
0: my faith with him? Should be. Test, test. You didn't press the button, did you? Mm-mm. Okay. Is it working? Can you speak into that one there? Is this one working? On. Here, I got you. Okay. It's
1: still my mic. <laughs> Here, I'll take that. Thanks. Is it working? Okay, so yeah, so I've always been close with him, but I've just always struggled with having the courage to kind of like share my faith with him, and um, he's had three different primary cancers, and so um, on Monday he got results that they found four more spots throughout his body that they think the cancer is back, and so that morning that I got the news, I really felt led that I needed to go and um, pray with him and also share the gospel with him, so...
0: You you told me um, on your way there, you had some hesitancy.
1: Yeah. So that morning, like I I knew that it was something I needed to do. I really felt the Lord pushing it, but as the day went on, I just, I was really scared. And um, as I was about to pull in, I almost just kept driving back to my house because I was like, I just, I can't do it. I can't do it. But then I really felt like it was maybe the only opportunity I had and that was more important.
0: So when you got together with your dad, how were you able to steer the conversation from whatever it was you were talking about to the gospel?
1: So I think like the three circles, that's where it really was... It made it a lot simpler. So um, I just started out by saying, you know, dad, this isn't what God's original design for our lives was supposed to be. But once I entered the world, I like get broke with that original design was. And so then I was able to share the gospel with him. So
0: so, so tell me about that. I mean, you, you talked about God's original design and, and brokenness. Um, what was the state of your father? How was he responding to what he was hearing?
1: Um, so this is where it's like really cool. Um, I've not really ever seen my dad like this, but he just broke down and, um, he, I asked him if he believed all that and he said he believes as much as anybody else. And I asked him if he wanted to accept Christ and he said yes. And so he accepted Christ and as he was praying, like I've never seen him just, he was crying so hard and it was like a true moment. It was beautiful. It was amazing.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine what that... Well, actually, I can... And, like, my
1: mom was sitting there, and she was so... It was just... It was really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. the folks here know that I had an opportunity to pray with my dad when he was 80 years old. Mm -hmm. So it is a a wonderful thing. Now, your mom... um, talk to you later in the week, what did she tell you? Because that was kind of encouraging, too.
1: Yeah, so my mom, she's always been very strong in her faith. She's been a Christian for a long time, and um, she said that moment, because they both were just really struggling that week, my mom was saying, like, she was really, really sad, too, and that seeing that moment was an assurance that she needed. And then um, after that conversation, like it just brought such peace to both my mom and dad that um, they, they just had so much more peace after that, so.
0: You said that she said that, her, that your dad has not been the same since he, yeah. he prayed, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, Fantastic. so he struggles with like, I mean, his biggest fear is like leaving us, and he just had like a just different piece about it, so. Yeah.
0: thank you so much for sharing with us. I got one last question. Is there anything that you would like to say to the folks that are listening here? You know, any, any, any word of encouragement to them?
1: Yeah, I, um, I know it's scary. Like I was so scared and, um, I didn't think that I'd be able to do it, but I really felt like the Lord was pulling me to do it. And, Maybe that was the only opportunity I had, and so I just encourage you: like, if the Lord has something on your heart, just share it, and even if it is scary, just be obedient. And um, so, yeah.
0: Amen. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Casey. Yeah. That's why we're doing the three circles. That, that's why we're taking time here to learn how to share the gospel. It's situations like that. That doesn't mean that everybody we share with is going to respond to the gospel in the same way. But they, they, they don't have a chance to respond if we don't share with them. If, if we don't put their needs above our fears... And let's face it, lots of times it's scary because we, we know, we, we, we kind of think we know how people are gonna respond. And if we feel like, nah, they don't wanna hear, they're not gonna hear, oh, that's gonna ruin my friendship or this, that, and the other thing, then we don't share. But we have to learn to love people enough to tell them the truth. Because if you don't, then we know what the end result will be and that's a Christless eternity. And folks, that's not love. That's cowardice. So we need to be bold proclaimers of the gospel. The gospel not only allows us to recover and pursue God's design for our life, but it also helps others do the same because God wants to complete the circuit through us. Now in week one, if you were here, you learned that God has a design for all of creation. In fact, he has a design for each of our lives, and he has a design for every aspect of our lives, from our relationship with him to our relationship with others. He has designs for our sex life, or our work life, or our rest life, or our recreation. He has a design for all of life, and he has a design... For marriage, he has a design for the family. He has a design for world systems, for governments. I mean, there isn't anything. When you look at the world and the stars at night, he has a design for his entire creation. And the problem we have experienced and continue to encounter on a day by day basis is that as human beings, we are fallen creatures. We have departed from God's design, and we have endeavored to live our life um, the way that we want to live our life. In fact, Scripture tells us that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We've each turned to our own way. And the Bible has a word for that. It's called sin. And sin is anything that we think, say, or do that displeases God. Last week I mentioned that sin is rebellion against God and his authority over our lives. We sin by doing things that we shouldn't do and we sin by not doing the things that we ought to do. Sin is falling short of God's design for our life. It's falling short of his standard of perfection. Jesus said if you... You, you want to have a relationship with me on your own? Well, here's how you do it. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. And none of us can be perfect. And so the natural consequences of sin is that it leads to brokenness. And we all experience this brokenness because we all have sinned. All have sinned and falls short of God's glory. And this brokenness is felt in every area of our lives. I've mentioned some of it already. We sense it in our loneliness and in our grief. We experience it when we're afraid or betrayed or wounded by others. We feel it when we're depressed or addicted or are overwhelmed with guilt and shame. I think... When you talk to somebody about the Lord, they can relate to brokenness because we've all experienced it in one shape or form and we all want out of our brokenness. So most of us take uh, great pains to try to fix it or at least alleviate the pain of our brokenness. Uh, And that's where the, the little squiggly lines come from there. Last week I put up a few things, let me put up a few more. Sometimes we try a way out of our brokenness, we try to fix our brokenness by pursuing success. We try to climb the corporate ladder. We try to make it to the top so that somehow by having that level of prestige and respect that that will help us feel better about our brokenness. Many times we pursue wealth and riches in the hopes of buying things that that will help soothe our brokenness. Other times we pursue pleasure or power. We may strive for popularity. Anything that will distract us from the brokenness that we experience in life. We may even strive to be better people. You know, every year when we turn the, into the new year, we're always talking about New Year's resolutions, things we want to change. It's because we know things need to change. Sometimes they're trivial sort of things, but sometimes they're big things. Sometimes we'll turn to religion or religious gurus in the hopes that that will make us feel better about ourselves in our direction in life. And we may end up pursuing uh, endless entertainment or alcohol in drugs to numb our pain when all those other things fail. When we've, we've tried climbing the corporate ladder <laughs> and you get fired from your job and you're unemployed and can't find employment, when you lose your nest egg, when everything seems to go wrong, it's at that point, what do you do? Some people try to numb their pain. We all want out of our brokenness, but we realize that the more we try to fix our brokenness, the more broken we feel. The more heartache we have. And last week, I think I, I mentioned that it's it's an odd phenomenon, but some people have a high tolerance for misery. Some people, you would think that when you look at their life, if they could just kind of step back and look at their own life, they might see the futility of what they're trying to do and then turn to God. But some people just Don't see it. The God of this world has blinded the eyes of unbelievers so that they cannot see the truth. That's one of the reasons why we have to pray and we have to proclaim the gospel because God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's what does the work. God's spirit and his word through us can reach people. So God fortunately, often uses our brokenness to get our attention. And when we admit our brokenness and the fact that we cannot fix ourselves, then and only then are we ready for some good news. And the good news is this. God has made a way for us to be right with him and to recover his design for our lives. The Bible's word for this good news is the word gospel. Gospel simply means good news. And this is it. God loved us so much that he didn't leave us in our brokenness. He sent his one and only son to rescue us from our sins And I think this resonates with so many people because John 3, 16, like one of the most popular verses, even non-Christians can quote it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 19, he says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus is God's rescue plan for us. He came to us from heaven and he lived a perfect life upon this earth. And it's important to understand this. Jesus Jesus never sinned one time. He completely fulfilled God's design. He was man as man was intended to be, but he was more than man. He was truly God. See, he existed before he was born, but when he was born, he took on human flesh so that he is the true God-man. And he lived 33 years perfectly. And then we're told that he was betrayed by one of his closest friends. He then was arrested, tried, sentenced to death for a crime he didn't commit. And Jesus declared: No one takes my life. I lay it down freely. And if, if If you were anything like me, not knowing really and understanding the gospel growing up, it was like, why would he do that? Why in the world would he do that? Well, Bible makes it clear. It's because he loves us and because this was the only way that you and I could be made right with God, that God's original design for our life could be restored. Now, last week I mentioned that to cover Adam's sin, remember we talked about Adam and Eve and how they had sown fig leaves together to cover their nakedness and God said, this will not do. And he came to them with animal skins. God had sacrificed an animal, shed its blood to cover Adam and Eve's nakedness, to cover their guilt and shame. But it merely covered it, it didn't take away their sin. And centuries later, this act would be repeated over and over and over again as an object lesson to the people of Israel, as a reminder of how horrid their sin is, how terrible, how putrid it is before God. And it highlighted the need for blood to be shed, for there to be a sacrifice. But what we learn is that the blood of bulls and goats and sheep can never take away sins. It merely covered it for a time. What we needed was a perfect sacrifice, a sacrifice of such value that upon the death of this person that it would be sufficient enough not only to cover our sins, but to remove our sins. And folks, Jesus is that perfect sacrifice. He is the unblemished, spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus took the punishment that we deserve for our sins, and he died in our place as our substitute. He died the death that we deserved for our sin, for our rebellion. Peter tells us in his first epistle, and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds you were healed. You see, a miracle occurred there at the cross. God took the sins of the entire world, put them on Jesus. And he then took the punishment we deserved and God took Jesus's righteousness and he clothed us with it so that when he looks at us, he doesn't see our sin, but he sees the righteousness of his son. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter five, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And after Jesus died, he was buried and all hope seemed to be lost. But on the third day, he rose from the dead breaking the power of sin and death, defeating Satan and proving that he was who he claimed to be, that he was indeed the son of God and that he was able to do for us what he said that he could do, which was namely to save us from our sins, to forgive us, to bring us back into relationship with God. I love what Tim Keller says about the gospel here. He, he simply says this. He says, the gospel is this. If I can put it up on screen. And for some reason, it's not going to. There we go. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hoped. Wow. It's, it's almost as if God's love is seen to be even more amazing, more wonderful, more marvelous in light of how wretched we really are. And I think nobody understood that better probably than the Apostle Paul. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we can be forgiven and we can be restored to right relationship with God. But again, like I've mentioned the previous two weeks, merely knowing the gospel up here, understanding it factually doesn't save anyone. You need to do more than just know the gospel up here. You have to respond to the gospel, and we do that simply by repenting and believing the good news. Now, this is the message. This is nothing new, that Jesus preached this from the very, very beginning of his ministry. In Mark chapter 1, we read that now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, What was he doing? Proclaiming the gospel of God, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That's the solution to our problem. Jesus said, repent and believe. Well, what does it mean to repent? It means to have a change of heart, a change of mind, It means having a change of direction. It means to think differently, to change one's ways. It means to have deep sorrow and regret for things that one has said and done. But it's deep regret and sorrow that leads to new behavior. It's just not saying I'm sorry. You know, Paul talks about repentance that leads to life, you know, that there's a worldly sorrow, you know, where we're sad, we're hurt, we'll cry tears and everything else because we're suffering the consequences of our sin. And then there's a godly sorrow that leads to life. And that's what repentance is all about. In it, we turn from our sin and we turn to the Lord Jesus. What does it mean to Believe. Again, it's more than just intellectual assent. To believe means you think something to be true. You believe something to be true. It means to have faith in or to rely on. It speaks of trust. And in this case, it means to trust in Jesus and to commit oneself to him. Jesus said in John chapter 6, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Now, he's assuming the person has repented. It's not just believe because we already saw that. It's repent and believe. But what he's focusing here on now is having faith in him. And he's saying that if you truly have faith in me, if you truly believe, if you truly trust me and what I have done for you and am doing for you, you will be saved. We are saved from our sins and brought back into fellowship with God when we repent and believe the gospel. And then... Oh, then then the fun really begins because then God helps us to recover and pursue his design for our lives. When that moment occurs in your life, when you give your life to Christ, when you surrender to him, the Bible tells us that he takes our heart of stone and he gives us a heart of flesh, That, that he sends his Holy Spirit to indwell us and to empower us so that we can live for him. He reconciles us to himself and restores what is broken. In 2 Corinthians chapter 15, I I don't have this up on screen, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 15, starting, excuse me, chapter 5, starting in verse 17, this is what the apostle Paul says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is... Now I don't know if you noticed, but in those four verses, Paul uses the uh, some form of the word reconciliation five times. Not only have we been reconciled to God, but we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. That's pretty cool. I don't, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but you have a ministry. It's called reconciliation. We are now God's ambassadors to a sinful broken world and our job is to proclaim the gospel to everyone who would hear so that they might repent and believe and recover and pursue God's design for their lives. Does this make sense to you? I hope so. If you are here this morning or watching online and you have not yet repented and believed the gospel, is there anything that's keeping you from doing so right now? If not, then why not? The Bible tells us that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. And you can do that right now in prayer. Prayer is simply talking to God. And, and, and just as you would have sat down with someone to tell them what's going on in your heart and in your life right now, you just express that to God. You can tell him that you want to turn from your sins, that you believe that he is the son of God, that he died on the cross and rose from the dead to save you from your sins and that you want him to be your Lord and savior. You can do that in prayer. Scripture says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's let's take a moment to do that right now. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Give you a few moments. And if you're here and you need to make that decision, you go ahead and pray right now and ask the Lord to save you. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for the good news of Jesus, of his death, burial, and resurrection. And Lord, um, Lord, I have no idea how many people here um, this morning or watching online are in need of repenting and believing in you for the very first time. But Lord, you do. And Lord, if they have prayed right now, you've heard their prayer, and you're answering it. And so, Lord, I pray that you would continue to draw them closer to yourself, that you would draw us all closer to yourself, that you would use us to further your kingdom. Lord, I just thank you and praise you for what you're doing in our midst. Amen. If you just prayed and asked um, Christ to save you from your sins, congratulations. Today's your spiritual birthday. Mine's October 25th, 1981. Never forget that night. If this is your day, never forget it. Write it down, put it in your Bibles because you're gonna be tempted in the coming months and years. Did Did you really make that commitment to Christ? And this will serve as a reminder, a stake in the ground for you. And, 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 and I also would challenge you to do this. Tell somebody about it. I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear your story, how God's working. But, but tell your husband, your wife, your kids, parents, grandparents. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And God wants to use each and every one of us to take the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus to our broken world, complete the connection, allow God to use you to, for his message to flow through you to others, I pray. Amen.